I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We're doing a little Giants rehash. Yes, they lost 38-7. to As Brian Dable said, it was a car crash on Saturday night. But. Team won nine games and a tie and a playoff win in year one of a rebuild. So, to take stock of the brutal loss and to look forward to some tough decisions, we bring in Dan Schneier from Big Blue Banter Podcast and CBS Sports. He covers fantasy there. Dan, welcome to the program. Hey, hey, Lori, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk some Giants football. So, help out Giants fans who are wrestling with how to come to terms with what was a very bad loss to the Eagles, but a season when the team clearly overachieved. Let's Starting with the, the bad loss, how are you looking at the game last night? How would you frame that? The loss last night was a really disappointing loss for Giants fans. I think at the very least, we wanted to see the Giants compete in that football game. But I think, as you brought up in the beginning here, it's really important to note where the Giants are at with this rebuild and what they had to work with. Going into this season, Joe Shane had to work with $53.7 million in dead salary cap space out of almost a, you know, almost a fourth of the $200 million budget. And those are players who are no longer on the roster, but count against the cap. And that doesn't even include $17.8 million cap hit this year that went to Kenny Galladay but in play. So he's really working with a short deck there. And to make it this far to the divisional round, that says a lot in a season where, like you said, it was year one of the rebuilds. So I think it's good to take a step back and just consider how far this team came. They had a coaching edge on almost a weekly basis. They've nailed the coach down. And in the process, by the way, Lori, this is the glorious part about it. I've started looking into next season already. And for 2023, it was so refreshing to see their dead cap right now is only $3.6 million, and that's for Kadarius Tony next season after trading him. But they've really cleared the salary cap space, and it should be a good you know, future moving forward for the Giants. So you mentioned the coaching staff and how it felt. Obviously, head coach Brian Dable, but the whole coaching staff, it felt like the Giants had a coaching edge most weeks that they played, but also felt like there was a talent gap Uh, that the Giants were on the short end of most weeks that they played when you looked across the field. So for all of the bouquets we've thrown at Brian Dable and the staff, and I personally think Brian Dable should be um, the coach of the year for the job he did, also have to criticize when it's warranted. What happened on Saturday night? You know, 
I understand the players didn't play well, but for the coaching staff, Brian, you know, Dable, Wink, Kafka, how did you see that? Yeah, I think it was a tough spot for the coaches. And for particularly speaking, the Giants on defense in this game, we knew going in they were going to struggle against the run. Why was that? Well, all season long, they struggled against teams who used power gap concepts in the run game. You saw against the Vikings, right? The Giants played two, two safeties high, and they just dared the Vikings to run the ball, and they couldn't because the Vikings were a zone scheme. The Eagles were not a zone scheme. They used power. They used they used different interesting concepts, spreading the field and then using Jalen Hurts as his own read runner. And right now, when you look at what the Giants are from a personal standpoint, it's hard for me to criticize Wink Martindale on that side of the ball because there's not a linebacker starting for the Giants this season that would be starting on any other team, and they had no defensive line depth. So you saw the one play where Dexter Lawrence came yeah. off the field, and they put in Ellis, and it was an immediate 11-yard game. On the flip side of the ball, I think that's where you can start to maybe question the coaching in this game. I wouldn't personally, but I can understand some people who would be like, you know, maybe early on the Giants should have done something similar to what the Eagles did. Zone read, use Daniel Jones as a runner on design runs, keep the ball on the ground, keep the clock moving, and, you know, don't give them a chance to sack Jones or pressure Jones or, you know, lead to that potential interception that we saw with James Bradbury. But I knew at some point when the Giants were running that much quick game from a passing standpoint, some corner as smart as Bradbury was going to sit on one of those routes, drive on it, and make a play on it, unfortunately. All right, so you you mentioned linebacker, and with a lot of holes all over the roster and a talent gap clear versus the Eagles, linebacker probably the worst, weakest position group on the Giants. But that leads to the question – you know, whether it's, you know, you and I could both sit here. I, I have a whole laundry list of, of needs that I, you know, whether it's linebackers, uh, uh, another starting, a top two starting cornerback, uh, another edge defender, especially somebody who can set the edge against the run, a defensive tackle who plays the run better, um, a number one wide receiver, a pass catching playmaking tight end, <laughs> an upgrade on the interior offensive line, um, it, you know, what to do about Saquon and running back, uh, a punter upgrade, return, you know, like the list goes on and on. And so with all of that, how would you prioritize the needs and start to uh, start to close that talent gap with a team like the Eagles and the other top contenders? Yeah, well, I think the first thing you have to do is you have to address the linebacker position. You can't make it any further in the NFL than the final eight with linebacker play like that. I think you'll see next year, every single linebacker who played for the Giants this season, whether Jalen Smith, whether it's Jared Davis, who they brought in late mm-hmm. and he played a huge role, they're not going to be playing or starting on an NFL roster next year. So they need to completely revamp that unit and find guys who can play against the power gap scheme. They also need to add defensive line depth. That was the big issue in this one. It is so ironic to me, Lori, sitting here now. One of the first things Dave Gettleman said when he got the job, and we don't hear he has too much, but he said, I'm going to stop the run. And he leaves them with a team that couldn't stop the run, and it ended up being their downfall in this playoffs because the Eagles, you look at that game, A.J. Brown didn't do much, didn't need to. Devontae Smith had one huge play early, but didn't do too much after that didn't need to. It's because they were able to run the ball over and over. So it starts with linebacker, and I think you go from there. Yeah, you mentioned Dave Gettleman, and uh, you know maybe if he hadn't been making um, so many unfortunate uh, free agent signings, maybe there would have been an opportunity to keep guys who we saw playing um, in the playoffs, um, whether that was 
you know, um, Jonathan Hankins, Linval Joseph, right. Jay Hill, um, you know, other other playoff rosters were riddled with uh, with players, uh, former Giants um, line defensive linemen. So um, interesting there. Um, all right, so. In terms of free agency, obviously there are a lot of free agents on the Giants and at the top of the list and the most important position on any football team. Let's start with Daniel Jones. And I have my own, you know, I I, I confess, I've said this before, I admit it. um, Hi, my name is Lori and I'm a Daniel (laughs) Jones apologist. I can't help myself. Um, I I do. I, I make the excuses. I, I want to see him do well. I see the potential and the skills and the raw talent and the intangibles and all of that. And I just wonder, with consistent scheme, consistent quality coaching, um, a halfway decent you know up- upgrade in the offensive line and um, a number one wide receiver, I look around these teams – my goodness, you see who Joe Burrow is throwing to, and their their number three guy in Tyler Boyd would be light years better than anybody else on the Giants. Start with Daniel Jones, and for for fans who may be on the fence, where are you with Daniel Jones? Are you convinced he's a, you know, how do you define a franchise quarterback, and are you convinced he's a franchise quarterback potentially? Defining a franchise quarterback is the hardest thing to do in sports, and so many fans are going to have such a different opinion on it. For me, it is the guy who can take you to the Super Bowl on a yearly basis, or at least least make you a threat for the Super Bowl on a yearly basis. And I don't think Daniel Jones is there yet, but I don't think that should take away the clear progress he's made as a quarterback this season. And it's incredibly notable when you consider his age. He's still a developing quarterback when you consider the fact it's the first season. He's had really good coaching, and the fact that he picked up a system that's very different, even down to the little details, like Jason Garrett used numbers, and they don't use numbers anymore. So fast this season, and the tangible progress he's made, and everyone could see it, was first of all, and most importantly, his pocket presence and his pocket feel. And now a lot of that is the coaching, but so so be it. That's not a bad thing. They, they coached him this season. When you don't like what you see on your first read, and this is something he did a lot earlier in his career, he'd sit on that read, he'd sit, he'd sit, he'd wait, Sometimes it would be a sack. Sometimes it would be a forced fumble. Sometimes it would be a late throw that was tipped and intercepted. Now the coach has said, if you don't like what you see, just look at the B-gap and run and take it for a run. And that added a lot of value this season. That's the first thing. The second thing that we saw this year that we didn't see in past seasons was Jones' ability to create plays off script. He would leave the pocket. He'd escape. Mm -hmm. If he didn't like what he saw as a runner, he'd keep his eyes downfield and he'd be moving patiently. And then he made some throws. So there's tangible evidence to suggest he's really improved as a passer. He has the size, he has the arm talent, but what I need to see from Daniel Jones to prove to me that he can be one of those quarterbacks is I need to see him utilize all fields on a consistent basis as a thrower. Right now, everything for Jones, not everything, but the vast majority is still in that 20-yard range, and defenses know this, and defenses are adjusting to this. You saw this with the Eagles. They were driving on the short routes. They were leaving open areas of the field on the sideline, outside the numbers, 20 to 25 yards down the field. And until he can consistently attack defenses in the area, they're not going to they're not going to respect it schematically, and it's going to make it really difficult for the Giants to be consistent. Now that can happen with improved offensive line play and improved wide receivers, but it also has to click with Jones. He has to be a little bit more aggressive throwing to those areas of the field, so defenses will start respecting. It. 
Yeah. Uh, talking to Dan Schneier uh, from Big Blue Banter um, about the Giants and Daniel Jones. And, um, yeah, I wonder, um, you know, year one, as you said, he's 25 years old and year one with this coaching staff. And just like the Bills went out and they got Josh Allen, and I'm not saying that Daniel Jones has the, you know, the physical gifts of a Josh Allen, but but they went out and got him Stephon Diggs, and we saw that step forward. Or Jalen Hurts, you go get him A.J. Brown, and you take that step forward. So I, I would like to see Daniel Jones and what he looks like improve the offensive line a little bit and truly get this guy some weapons. What kind of contract... Um, would you think, well, and, and if you're still, hey, this is what I want to see, are you willing to, if you were Joe Shane or advising him, are you willing to commit to Daniel Jones? You know, what kind of length, what would you be looking to do? Because I was talking to one of my uh, producers earlier, and I, to me, the cautionary tale, I look, um, I look at the Jets, you know, here in our, in our backyard here, and you can get stuck without a quarterback. And so, you know, what kind of contract? How would you play that with Jones? Yeah, Jones the player I would be looking to extend. Like I said, there's tangible evidence he made a jump. He's still young, first year in the system. I think you can look at a contract like Jared Goff's, which is ironic because just a, you know, a year and a half ago, they were doing everything they could, the Rams, to get out of it, trading picks just to trade him. But now the Lions kind of like what they have in Goff, and he is the 11th highest-paid quarterback in AAV, that's average annual value. And that's kind of the contract range I assume Jones, or I expect Jones to get an offer and accept in. It's in that 30 to $32 million range, $32 million AAV. In the three-year range, I think, sounds good. I think, yeah, I think I'm, I just happened, because I was thinking about this, I've got like 33.5 AAV. Yeah. I think it's Jared Goff. I got it right here. And that seems to be a good range. I think he's right now, at least to this point, the progress he's made, proven he's one of the, you know, in that range, 11 highs, should be the 11 highs paid quarterback that range. Yeah. Um, all right, so now the harder one. Saquon Barkley and... Um, what would you do with Saquon Barkley? I personally struggle here and I have frequently argued with Giants fans about Saquon and, you know, we all love him as a person. It has nothing to do with that, but how would you handle a Saquon Barkley and the running back position in general? This one's a tougher one for me, Lori, and I'm not going to make too many fans with this, but I would personally let Saquon Barkley walk. And my reason for this is not about what Saquon Barkley can do for the Giants in 2023. It's about what he can do years down the line in that contract and how much money is going to be allocated to cap years down the line. You look at running backs, well, at the age of 27, they start to fall off a cliff, and it only gets worse from that point on. And these are running backs, all running backs, not just the ones with an injury history like Saquon Barkley. You look at some of the running backs who have had success, aging out later in their career. They're players like Frank Gore, Tiki Barber comes to mind. These are players who didn't rely on their athleticism at the running back position. They had mental process. They had other different aspects of their game. Saquon Barkley is a running back who has relied on his athleticism. And I bring up one run that really stood out to me from the game, yeah. the Giants yeah. lost. 
it was that one run late in the game, 36-yarder, I think down 28-7. Yep. I watched that play, and I was like, the, in 2018, that's gone. That's a house call every time. I think Barkley hit 19 miles per hour on that I, one. And- I, you're exactly right. It was, I think, 19.1 miles per hour, and you saw it with your eyes, and then you saw that number, and you know that Daniel Jones, I mean, can go over 20 miles, uh, run over 20 miles per hour. It's just not the same to Barkley, He did reach 21.1 earlier this season, but that's part of why it's tough to resign players like this. You're going to expect him to take that 85, 90% snap share. Well, there will be wear and tear later in the season. Yeah. So, all right. So you're in a just walk away from Saquon and, you know, less about him, but almost, you know, an in, a, an injury-prone running back, as talented as he is, um, you walk away. How would you handle, then, the running back position? I mean, it's a position I would treat a lot like teams like the Eagles have. I would focus on improving the offensive line. I think we saw it last night, right? Yep. The Eagles don't really have any star talent on the at the running back position. Miles Sanders is an okay player. He's nothing special. Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. You can find these guys in the day three of the draft. I would keep... Buying them on day three, almost every draft, recycling them once that rookie contract is up, and keeping them against the cap for 800k. And I'm okay with extending, but I think they ultimately will resign Barkley for what he does in the locker room, leader, what he means for the Giants to face the franchise off the field. There's a lot of other factors in. As long as they can keep that contract short, you know, with most of it front loaded, that gives them opportunity here to kind of down the line not have so much dead cap if an under, if God forbid another injury hits and they have to get out of that contract. Yeah, I'm kind of on the. I know he'll hate it, but I'm sort of on the uh, the franchise Barkley um, category. If he was myself. willing to play on it, that's the optimal route. I just don't foresee him willing to play on it. I, I know he will hate it, but that's uh, that's where I would go if I could. Um, all right, a couple of my followers um, had some questions for you. First one is that um, you've talked apparently about you've called the salary cap a myth and <laughs> one of my followers i i assume that you're talking about teams um i assume you're talking about teams like the saints and mickey loomis their gm who always seem to find a way to manage and restructure contracts but this fan pointing out and saying if it, if the salary cap is a myth then how or why did the giants have to cut james ba- uh, bradbury due to the cap yeah, sure. I mean, I, I said that one time as, as an exaggeration to make a point. I've since obviously made it clear I don't believe it's a myth. But it is interesting to watch teams like the Saints and even the Eagles, who are really masterful with the cap, the Cowboys as well, do their work. Obviously, it's not a myth, but it is something that can be maneuvered. And I think the most important thing to understand with the cap is that it's fluid. When you see a number like they have X amount for this mm-hmm. season, well, that can be maneuvered and that can be moved into future seasons. For example... Next season, the Giants are paying or yeah. allocating a $32 million cap hit to Leonard Williams. He's going to be the third highest paid non-quarterback next year. And then there's still dead cap in 2024 if they want to cut him. So that just shows how they kind of manipulated that contract, pushing back so much of the cap hit for these future and, years. And I kind of am thinking they're going to do that again with him. He was even talking um, as he right. was cleaning out the locker that, you know, his agent may not like this decision, but uh, <laughs> but that he may take, you know, wants to stay, play with Dexter Lawrence. Um, so there may be something where they even do that again and, and kind of kick it forward with Leo Williams. Um Another question from uh, from one of the followers, uh, the listeners, wa- uh, for you was, 
just about the offensive line in general and how confident you are with the current offensive line and whether it is, um, would you be confident? I know there was the the injury to their um, you know rookie Izudu, um, but uh, would you be confident in a line that had Andrew Thomas, that had Izudu, that had Gates at center, Bredesen? He's saying over Glowinski, which is um, you know obviously free agent deal there with uh, with that, and then Evan Neal next year. Um, they'd be relying on development. Are you confident in that line or do you think they need upgrades? I think they need upgrades. And I've been on the record for my show and for the longest time saying every single draft, you should be drafting offensive line. We yep. should just replenish the stock. To me, I view it in a lot of ways, like the bullpen in baseball. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a perfect elite unit, but you need to have a lot. You, it, you can't, it, it can't be the unit that lets you down. And I think Azudu has flashed really good traits. I'm very excited about Azudu, specifically his movement skills combined with his power on the move. I think he could be a really good player, but what I'm looking for, and I hate to say it, is an upgrade at the center position. I like Nick Gates. I'd like to re-sign him. He's actually going to be a free agent as depth, but a really good center could really change the entire line. We saw it with Philadelphia last night. You know, Dexter Lawrence was in a lot of ways neutralized in these Philly matchups. It's the only team that's been able to really slow him down. So a really good center upgrade, I think, would do it. And I would say to all Giants fans, don't panic on Evan Neal. Remember Andrew Thomas, his first rookie season was not pretty. And as he grew into himself as a player and, and got better with his technique, and most importantly, I think for Neil, it's a confidence issue. Once he gets confident in his game, he's going to be the player we saw at Alabama. So I think they're set there. I just really would love a center upgrade. All right. Dan Schneier does a great job on his podcast, uh, Big Blue Banter. If you're not following it, give it a listen. Um, Dan, uh, I've enjoyed this. Appreciate the time. We'll catch up down the road. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Lori. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.